Welcome back. This is Mind Redefined, lifting the stigma around mental health. I am your host, Scott Swanstrom, and uh, today our episode is on compassion fatigue and mental health awareness. And we have our esteemed guest, Dr. Christine Caulfield, back with us today. Uh, She is currently the CEO of LSF Health Systems, the managing entity comprised of 60 behavioral health care organizations that span a 23-county region. The network serves over 350,000 clients annually. Dr. Kristen Caulfield, welcome back. Oh, thank you so much, Scott. What a pleasure. What an important conversation that we're getting ready to have. Just something where we want to dial back a little bit and to focus on those who are caregivers, who are boots on the ground working in the field of mental health and substance treatment providers. And we are just uh, thoroughly appreciative of them. What is one thing that you are celebrating today? Well, you know, May is Mental Health Month, and I am so thrilled that here at LSF Health Systems, we're offering a plethora of trainings to really raise awareness of mental health and substance use disorders, and you really help the community understand better uh, some of the challenges that individuals that live with mental health and substance use disorders face. And so we we like to spread the word. We want to break that stigma. So I'm very excited to be here in May and to be able to celebrate May as Mental Health Month. Absolutely. And as we're lifting the stigma around mental health and, and what that means, at any given year, one out of five adults suffers or struggles with a mental health challenge. And so it is far more common than we make it out to be. And so what a great month to just identify, to support, to encourage, and to uh, give that care for individuals who might be isolated and needing that help. Today, we're talking about those who are doing the good work, who are out there, their boots on the ground. What is compassion fatigue and who does it affect? Compassion fatigue is a term that refers to a helper's reaction to long-term exposure to secondary traumatic stress. And it's often called vicarious trauma or secondary trauma stress, and it occurs very frequently with our healthcare providers, our nurses, our physicians, our behavioral healthcare specialists and clinicians, as well as police, first responders, and it's the stress resulting from the traumatized individual rather than the trauma itself. It really involves an intense state of tension or excessive preoccupation with the cognitive, physical, psychological, and emotional pain and suffering of the trauma survivors or the individuals that our healthcare providers serve. And, you know, providing care to trauma victims, individuals that are suffering, whether it be with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, or other issues that they're struggling with, being repeatedly exposed to their traumatic experiences and the empathetic care provided to trauma survivors, it really can lead the helper to increase stress, negative emotional reactions, and compassion fatigue, which in turn increases their risk for burnout. It's very important to recognize early warning signs and seek early intervention techniques Compassion fatigue can negatively impact and impair our helpers' personal, social, and occupational functioning and psychological health, such as depression, anxiety, 
post-traumatic stress disorder, and substance use disorder. So what are some of these roles that we see in our community that might be affected by compassion fatigue? Well, certainly the pandemic has really showcased the deleterious effects that dealing with COVID patients, those that are on the brink of dying, uh, and the nurses, the physicians, the social workers, all the healthcare professionals that have rallied around these patients, it's been very, very heartbreaking for them, very traumatic for them to experience this ongoing barrage of very, very critically ill patients. We also see it in the behavioral health care space. We see our psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, psychiatric techs, and peer support specialists really struggling as they're dealing with life and death issues, such as individuals who are suicidal, Individuals who come into the ER, for example, in an overdose status, working with these individuals that really are having a very hard time coping with life and are at their wits end and hearing their traumas that they've experienced day after day, hour after hour, in many, many cases, really tends to bring on that compassion fatigue for the helper. They really are the unsung heroes of our society. They're just doing a fantastic work out there. But there's a lot of misconceptions in regards to their roles. What would you say are some of these misconceptions about those who work in mental health? You know, there are some myths that many people feel our helpers, our professionals in the field, our healthcare workers are equipped to do. For example, some people say that, you know, these individuals are trained to work with patients that have issues, and so they really shouldn't be affected by their patients, their traumas that they have experienced, and so they should just kind of pull themselves up by the bootstraps and and move on and not take this home, if you will. Other myths are that healthcare providers never make mistakes. They have everything figured out. They analyze everything and, you know, you can't really be comfortable around them in a personal space because, you know, they're, they're psychoanalyzing you. Some people feel that healthcare providers don't feel negative emotions and they can treat anyone. And they have all the answers. And this puts enormous pressure on our healthcare providers with these myths, with these misconceptions of who they are. It's almost like they idealize them as superhumans with really no effects of working in the field, working in the industry. And that puts Again, additional pressure on our healthcare providers that are seen as almost superhuman and not capable or not able to be human like with their emotions and feelings. So, we are really wanting to establish some hope for those who are often unsung in the work that they're doing. And we really want to be able to provide a help to them. Uh, what are some self care strategies that you would recommend for those who may experience compassion fatigue? 
It's so important to reach out for help when our healthcare providers, our first responders, our EMS personnel are feeling overwhelmed. They are experiencing, for example, depression or anxiety. Their symptoms are really impacting their family life, their work life. They're having symptoms such as feeling hopeless, numb, reduced empathy, limited tolerance for stress. If they're experiencing some cognitive symptoms such as constant thinking or dwelling around the suffering of those that they have served, constant self-blame of I could have, or I should have, or why didn't I say this, or why didn't I do that? Difficulty concentrating, focusing, or making decisions. And there are some physical symptoms also that arise with compassion fatigue that we need to be very mindful of, such as nausea, dizziness, headaches, difficulty sleeping, nightmares, or being tense, agitated, and on edge often, And some behavioral symptoms that really interfere with our ability to be productive in our daily lives include self-isolation, withdrawal from family and friends, relationship conflicts, feeling less efficient or productive at work, or reduced sense of pleasure in activities that used to be enjoyable. Those are the signs and symptoms that Our healthcare providers, our first responders need to take notice of and seek additional help and support so that they can get back on track and really address those compassion fatigue issues that are impacting their daily lives. I heard the word mindfulness and and there is such an aspect to just kind of checking in with yourself, taking your own pulse. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How is your daily routine looking right now and your social interactions? Are there some practical things that people can do in regards to their own physical health, their own mental health that are just good parts of our routine? Absolutely. So when we're very out of balance with compassion fatigue and we're immersed in the symptoms and signs that I just described... It's very hard to think about factoring joy into one's daily life, but that's so critically important because when we're out of balance with compassion fatigue, we have to rebalance and bring joyful activities on a daily basis into our lives. That might mean gardening, that might mean reading, bubble baths, whatever that means to the individual. Factor in that joy on a daily basis. Exercise is critical, particularly if you're struggling with depression, because as we know and research tells us, exercise increases those endorphins, those feel-good neurohormones that flood our brains when we exercise. So another reason to get out those walking shoes and get out into the sunshine and fresh air. And speaking of outside, research is showing that just 10 minutes outside in nature on a daily basis, again, increases those endorphins, those good feeling neurohormones in our brain. So I think all of us can find 10 minutes a day to get outside with nature. Also to rebalance ourselves, very important to 
eat healthy foods because when we're stressed out, we tend to grab carbohydrates or those sweets because those are comfort foods, if you will. And may they may give you a temporary feel-good feeling, but in the long run, they are not healthy for our bodies. And so we really need to pay extra special attention to good nutrition while we're going through this. Also, connect, connect, and reconnect. As you heard, isolation is one of the signs that we need to be aware of when we're suffering from compassion fatigue. So we need to push ourselves to connect with loved ones, family members, friends. And I know during COVID, it's been a struggle, but certainly through FaceTime, through Zoom calls, telephone calls, whatever we need to do, break that isolation and reach out. We'll get support from our friends and our family. That's so important because I know after a long day at work where you're pouring yourself out, you're giving yourself to others to help them and to make an impact on others' lives, to be invited into something there's always that great reluctance because you're worn out, you're tired. And it's just like getting invited to that party. And, you know, you have to push yourself to go. But once you go, you're glad you did. And so uh, that is just so helpful to just encourage our caregivers and those who are our first responders who are making a difference out there. Push yourself, be around people. You will be glad that you did. For those who are patients, who are clientele, who are other members of our communities, how can we celebrate and support those who provide these services? Gratitude is so, so important and such a simple thing to express if you think about it. So if you are working with a healthcare provider and you have found that you have received excellent care, you're feeling better, for example, if you're seeing a therapist or you, you're medical condition is improving due to the excellent work from your nurse. Please verbalize that. And you may also send a thank you note to their CEO, to the head charge nurse, to the medical director, whomever this person reports to, to again express the gratitude for the excellent care that you received. If inclined, you might also make a donation to that organization that has helped you through a crisis, a medical or behavioral health care crisis, a donation to that organization to show your appreciation. So what are some supports that are available to those who are the mental health substance treatment related workers that are out there, the therapists, the social workers, the case managers, those in the clinical arena? What supports are available for those who might be experiencing compassion fatigue? Well, many organizations offer an employee assistance program, and you need to check and see if your organization does offer that benefit. Oftentimes, there are free sessions that are offered through the employee assistance program, so that certainly is one avenue to explore. We have many, many community resources in the 23 counties that we serve here at LSF Health Systems, magnificent provider organizations. Doors are open, and for those that don't have insurance, uninsured, 
underinsured, we are open and available for assistance. So you may call the LSF Access to Care line and trained clinician will be on the other end of that phone and be able to give you the resources in that community that you live in so that you can access help quickly. And our access to care line is 1-877-229-9098. And we invite you to call our access to care line as well. You know, in the community, you can also find community support such as groups. We have groups in our communities for individuals that are struggling with depression, that are living with anxiety, living with bipolar, all sorts of support groups that are free and available for you to meet with other individuals that live with the same issues you're living with, and you can have the support and camaraderie with new friends and these support groups. Excellent. And also uh, LSF Health Systems website, you can Google LSF Health Systems, find the website and go to the Training Institute. And uh, if you and your organization would be interested in attending a compassion fatigue slash burnout training, if you want to care for your employees in that way, then reach out to us and we will have some of those trainings that will be posted on there as well. And so uh, there are those supports out there. And and Dr. Caulfield, thank you so much for sharing the Access to Care line again. That is 877-229-9098. That is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we can help direct and refer you to the appropriate services that you need. Dr. Caulfield, thank you so much again for your time today. Oh, my pleasure, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. 